Listener Production. You're listening to Darling Shine, a podcast by myself, Elodie Pullen, and me, Chloe Fisher. A place where we ground womanhood's unspoken experiences from grief to fertility and everything in between. Join us while we transform our pain into power, encompassing all emotions ugly and beautiful. Darling Shine is your chosen family and your survival kit for the unexpected shit life throws at you. Hey, welcome. Hey. It's still so weird having you on the podcast because I feel like I will just say I've been like a fan of yours for so long and I don't want to sound like a crazy fangirl, but I really... But you are. But I like it's weird because it's actually funny because we we actually spoke so much like without knowing each other, I was always sharing your things or I think the first book you ever actually brought out, um, I when I first started my swimwear label, I think maybe like nine years, eight or nine years ago, I was like, you know, you have all the quotes, you know, and I'd always just sit by the pool and do my like Instagram posts of the quote with my, my morning juice and my coffee. And I don't know, I feel like, you know, we'd like each other's things. And then it was just one day that you just happened to be in, in Venice down the street from my house. I was like, hey, is this weird? Can we catch up? <laughs> <laughs> but um, for everyone that I, before everyone that doesn't know who Lisa Messenger is, I'm like, like I said, I'm a big fangirl, but um, Lisa is a CEO and founder of a, a thing called the Collective Hub. A thing. It's um, basically it started as a magazine of quite some time ago, and then now it's evolved into like a multi-level. There's you do events, you do books, you do. It was yeah, it was the magazine, and then now it's gone into like digital. So many different things. You're actually a jack of all trades, and then in amongst all that, you've gone through. Is it nearly eight years of IVF? 17 rounds or something crazy? 17 rounds, eight years, yes. It's insane. Yes, it's been a long journey. So, yeah, and I'm, as you know, Chloe, now that we've become besties immediately <laughs> after all these years of stalking each other, um, yeah, I'm kind of an open book and we can talk about anything at all so yeah I'm happy to dig in on that it's been quite the journey in a life and business sense I know I was just saying to Elodie I was like because like your purpose is to try and make people's lives easier I guess in through doing all your books and through your magazines and I actually used to gift people the subscription to you oh my <laughs> that's God, how crazy God, I really I was like I was so like I lucky I didn't try and contact you in any crazy ways but yeah I used crazy to like stalker. crazy stalker used to love that was my favorite magazine to read and and you've done so much and I, I'm so glad that we actually got to meet when we did a few few weeks ago because I feel like we know each other like best mates. Um you found yeah. your person, Chloe. I, found my person. I was so happy when she said you guys had finally met up and chatted. I was like it just the way that she's always spoken about you, like you guys are just you're the same person. You're both like oh. powerhouse business bitches. I think I had like a shitty day and I said and I met I'd met you for lunch and I got as soon as I left I sent Elodie a voice and I'm like oh my god you wouldn't believe it I just went and had lunch with Lisa <laughs> fuck we've got like the same shit going on but like just same same but different but yeah thank you so much for giving us your time because I know you're in LA and it's it's a bit hard to pinpoint the time zones but welcome to our podcast I don't know if you know too much about us and we're so oh, happy to have you Oh, thank you. And it's beautiful to connect with you as well, Elodie. And um, 
Yeah, well done on your incredible book launch. I've been watching all of that from afar. Oh, dolls. Yeah. Writing I, one um, book was hard enough. I don't know how you wrote like 30 <laughs> something books. <laughs> yeah, well, we can unpack that. Yes. The more the more shit you have in your life, the more books you write. It's very cathartic. I don't want to so, write another book. <laughs> no, don't write don't have any more. Let's not wish any more of that. So tell us, like, yeah. is that the reason why, like, because obviously you've been through so much, we're going to get into your family and your upbringing and, you know, mm-hmm. everything, but are you kind of just one of those people that can't sit still because you've got to deal with everything that's going on in your life so you just keep going? You've written, you, you wrote all these books. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how far back you want to go. Let's but go back. It's kind Let's of, go back. It's kind of interesting. Like I've actually been listening to a lot of episodes of your podcast and it's extraordinary. Like you really unpack amazing things. So that's when I texted Chloe before I was like, okay, we're going to go deep, you know, whatever you want to say. But I think that's where it becomes interesting and relatable to people and that's really why I started Collective Hub in 2013 because for so many years people would just be like oh this is what you've done and we just hear like the bright shiny stuff and it's like Mm. oh it's such a success or whatever and I was like no there's so much for all of us that goes on behind the scenes that's so often not talked about yes but if I go back back the first book I wrote was in 2004 now I am showing my age (laughs) and um and it was called happiness is and it was because I was so freaking unhappy I mean at the time I was pretty much an alcoholic I spent like most of my 20s suicidal and I was like so desperate to work out like what is what does happiness mean? So that actually Whoa. drove me to That's write my first fun. book. And actually, I didn't even write it. Writing it sounds quite fancy. Um, I actually just went around Australia and interviewed people about, like, what the hell does happiness mean to you? Because I was on such a desperate quest myself. And the funny thing is that just in the act of doing something sometimes, that actually unveils this whole life purpose and so from there I kind of actually started to work on myself and I went on to sell like I think 36,000 copies in the first 12 months or something ridiculous and like and then and then I started accidentally helping other people to publish and like it kind of all evolved from there so in my experience I don't know, it's probably a learned thing. You know, they say resilience is a learned thing and I know you've both been through a lot of things yourself, but I've kind of learned the art of the mindset flip. It's like when really hard, unexpected, horrible things come at me now, um, most people become the guru of something and then write a book, but I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to write about this in the moment. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's kind of why I've written so many books because I've had a lot of stuff happen over the honestly, years. Honestly, like I, I know, yeah. Elodie, you're not like a reader, but the books, some of your books, honestly, they're so raw and so like I, I even think when I was reading through them, I was thinking, whoa, like that's deep. Like that's like really you're putting yourself – you're making yourself so so bloody vulnerable mm. and just telling all and in doing so. And I guess it's kind of similar to what we do. And, you know, like I even said to someone yesterday, I'm like, yeah, my journey's been a little bit to, you know, fertility has been a little bit fucked up, but I actually don't regret any of it because it's like it brought us to do this and to be able to share share our experiences and interview people who, you know, have got other stories like ours and, you know, it's just so insightful to people and be, to be able to help people, 
exactly what you just said through through experiences it's invaluable I think yeah I think so and kudos to both of you because I think it's in you both being so brave and vulnerable to share your stories and to shine a light on other people's stories as well I think that's what actually helps people and humanizes all of us and you become so much more relatable I think it's actually Mm. so much easier when you just talk about it and share about it because you know we're all going through stuff and suddenly people are like oh okay there's some kind Mm. of relatability even if it's you know a very different story or a different parallel there are always some similarity it's just something that just gives other people some sense of hope I think Totally. I'm mm. actually surprised you don't have a podcast. Oh, well, that. <laughs> She's like, well, actually, I'm starting one. No, I did. I did one during the pandemic ah. called um, Hear Me Raw, R-A-W, and then I stopped it. But okay. I've been thinking, oh, maybe I'll go again. <laughs> but, like, I have many, many, many different platforms at the moment, so we can dig into all of that. So, yeah, it's um, it's like... It's just a matter of priorities and focus, I guess, isn't it? Wow. At the moment, we're trying to take on America, so the podcast may come again. (laughs) Okay, so that's right. So you are born in Australia, right? How long have you now lived in America in the States? Sorry, I feel like I shouldn't actually own living in America (laughs) just yet. Taking over America. (laughs) Yeah, such a newbie. But we can talk about that as well. I mean, I've been trying to take on America for like a Oh, uh, since 2005, actually, with a lot of failed attempts. So it's like finally something's starting to work. So we can unpack that. Um, I was born in Sydney, but I grew up in a country town called Kula, which is like in the middle of absolutely nowhere. Um, it's, I don't know, at the time it was like a seven-hour drive from Sydney and I grew up on a four-and-a-half-thousand-acre property wow. really in the middle of nowhere, riding my horse every day after school wow. and, yeah, and making mud pies in the creek. Like it was a very simple upbringing. And tell us about that because, like, what, what led you, do you think, into the alcoholism? Oh, I think, well, I've spent many years, many years of therapy unpacking that. Oh. So, um, and it's funny Elodie, I listened um, to your um, episode about talking about the day that Chumpy passed and how you actually said that, um, I'm putting words in your mouth, but you'd almost become desensitised and you could tell it like it was almost yeah. a third-party thing. And um, and sorry if I paraphrased that, but I related in a way because I feel like so much of the, you know, alcoholism and things is such a long time ago for me that I can talk about it very kind of oh yeah and then this happened and you know what I mean but I think um what I would say to anyone listening as well is listen to the similarities not the differences because my story is my story and you know everyone has a a different version of what goes on for them but for me I think it really comes back to childhood stuff so my parents um got divorced when I was three that kind of I only know this now having done all the therapy and looking back but it very much then was around um you know feelings of abandonment or being unworthy not good enough you know and so um and not kind of knowing what my place was in the world or what my own values and belief systems were and so that kind of manifested in kind of needing to numb out or use alcohol as a crutch and kind of self-sabotage and almost keep myself small and it's because I didn't have any awareness around what I was doing so it was just easy 
for me to do that. And luckily, um, I mean, because I'd had so many kind of suicidal thoughts and just kind of just did not know what my place in the world was. And in 2004, I did a a course called the Hoffman Process, different to Wim Hof. It's the Hoffman Process and it's like a seven-day cathartic course where you go in and do kind of three days of anger work, like bashing a lot of stuff with baseball bats. and, And then you do like three days of like beautiful kind of compassion work and really understanding, you know, where it all came from. And I swear I went in as one person and I came out like an entirely different person. Like at the time I hadn't spoken to my mum, dad or sister for three years. Mm. I nearly drank myself to death. Um, like, Like everything was an absolute fucking train smash. And I went in there and I came out like just changed my entire life, put down the drink, um, amazing relationships with my mom, dad, sister, my business just took off, wow. um, you know, like everything just kind of exploded. And, um, and I say like, um, Stephen and I have, you know, more alcohol in our fridge than anyone. It's just <laughs> that we choose not, well, I choose not to drink it, but I guarantee you, I will be the first one at any party on the table dancing. It's just I've learned to recalibrate and do it without that. And I guess the lesson there is like don't give up alcohol if if it's not your poison, but like find be courageous enough to find whatever it is that's holding you back. So that was that was my thing. That is amazing you just went cold turkey and I guess you just like vibe off people's energies now I love that I know some yeah. people that are like that and I'm like I take my hat off to you like, I don't need I don't need to be like completely smashed but I actually find it really hard to be in a not like I don't get social anxiety at all but I just like for some reason want to have something in my hand yeah, it's too. a weird it's I a just weird love situation. a margarita yeah and she loves yeah. she loves a margarita <laughs> I know when to say no though I but, mean yeah. Yeah, we could unpack yes. this for the entire episode because it's like yeah. it's like I put down the drink, but then it was like then I had to deal like start doing the work. Like, yeah. why was I actually needing to drink? Do you know what I mean? It's not as exactly. easy as just going, okay, I don't drink anymore. And also, then I went through like at least a year of absolute boredom because I was like, all my friends drink, <laughs> all my friends party. Like, what do I do? So now? Old, really? I, yeah, so how old as, were you? Sorry. In my twenties, so yeah, yeah so it's oh, kind that's of early. A big thing. Mm. That's a big thing. Yeah, it's a good age yeah. to stop, though. Really, it, I feel like it, it. I feel like you think your party years are getting like slower and slower by the time you hit thirty, but mine are just getting like Elodie's just getting started. <laughs> oh, don't worry, girls. I'll be I'll be the first up there on the podium with you or anywhere. I'll probably out dance you, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so that was back in two thousand and four. You said. And then, yeah. so what? How what, how did that evolve? Like, where do you, so you started your business in that same year? The magazine? No, I, I actually started my business on the twenty second of October two thousand one. So I started my wow, business okay. three years before Earlier. that, and um, but you know, I talk about my kind of success in inverted commas for anyone who's just listening to this as like pretty much a 12 year overnight success (laughs) because it really wasn't until 2013 when I launched the magazine that everything really started to take off and before then I would say I was kind of as so many people in small business do I was over servicing undercharging Mm -hmm. being everything to everyone didn't really kind of yeah, I was a slow learner. And I guess it was a little bit like the alcohol. Back then, no one I knew wasn't drinking. Mm. And also back then, 
pretty much no one that I knew um, had started a business. So both of those I kind of had to navigate myself. And now I'm like, oh, wow, okay, I, I was a bit slow at all of that. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. back then magazines were everything as well. Like almost yeah. magazines. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, were, so, were you in a publishing house or was it just like did you do that yourself? Because I worked at when it was ACP magazines, it's now Bauer with like the Cosmos and the Cleos and all that sort of stuff. And so were you in a print house or was it you were just self-published? No, Chloe, it was all me. So wow. what happened was wow. I'd been doing um, some books because on the back of Happiness Is, which was in 2004, because I sold so many copies early on and I kind of, which is what I always do. I looked at it completely differently to what had always been done in traditional book publishing. So I thought of it more like um, something that people could use as a premium incentive gift reward. So I did all these deals. Like I did a deal with Mercedes who bought a whole lot of copies of Happiness Is to incentivize Test Drive. And then Clinique Perfume had a perfume called Happy Hearts. Oh. So they did like admire and DJs like, um, buy a bottle of perfume and get a free copy of the book. So I just did it all differently, right? So mm-hmm. what happened was <clears throat> between 2004 and 2013, I was helping other people and corporates to publish books. And then in 2012, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm surrounded by so many amazing entrepreneurs, you know, innovative people, creatives, like across all these different genres. And I don't know if you girls have experienced this, but I was like, we were all having these conversations behind the scenes about like, how, what's your supply chain or how mm. did you fund that? Or mm. where did you get that made? Honestly, and Chloe, you might have I'm obsessed with this magazine. I just want it to be back yeah. right now. <laughs> Fuck. I'm and like so, getting all excited. And I'm like, it doesn't exist yeah. anymore. Well, that's, so that so sad so for anyone listening who wants to start a business I mean it really for me I can't express it enough was as simple as I'm frustrated because there's no one out there in the media Mm -hmm. telling the real story behind the story and the real the raw the relatable and the attainable everything I was reading was just like about the success so it literally was like I'm gonna do it myself So I didn't have a publishing house behind me. I'd never worked in media. I'd never worked in magazines. And in 2013, when I launched, there were something like five and a half thousand print magazines in Australia alone. So it was a highly saturated market and I had no experience. And people were starting to say print is dead or dying. So like it was like everything was stacked (laughs) against me. But when you are really, really passionate and you have a really strong sense of purpose, it is extraordinary, like the serendipity and the synchronicity and the people that just started to kind of be attracted to me. And also I was ballsy, like, Chloe, you were just talking about um, Bauer, who at the time I didn't even know who they were, but there was a guy, Matthew Stanton, who was the CEO at the time, and a little while after I started, he um, sent me an email and invited me to breakfast, and he's like, how are you doing this? Like (laughs) they had 80 magazines in their stable and I had one and I was this little punk who'd come from nowhere. (laughs) And we were in like, we had floor to ceiling light walls in every single news link stand all over Australia. And he's like, you're taking over my territory. And this isn't my saying, but I think this is true. It's not the big who eat the small, it's the fast who eat the slow. And because I was like nimble and flexible and really freaking passionate and I wanted to do something different, I just started picking up the phone to like 
Coles and Woolworths and WH Smith and Newslink and all that. I still call them actual publishers and actual editors (laughs) were like, what are you doing? You can't do that for like at least seven years. But I didn't know what I didn't know. So naivety and passion can be really great. Ignorance ignorance coupled with a little bit of business acumen can be amazing because I just, I think people were just like, you're so damn ballsy. We're just going to range you. We're going to put you in our stores and we're going to give you a go. And I just gained this insane momentum so much so that within 18 months it was in 37 countries and within 14 months I had this email one day um which just said in the headline from the office of Anna Wintour and I was like what and it was from one of Anna's three PAs and they were like Anna wants to meet with you in New York no way so I flew to New York met with Anna but yeah so just these unbelievable things it almost went from like me being complete obscurity and nobody to like suddenly having this huge thing that had a cult following which was extraordinary like it was amazing was it scary meeting Anna tell us about that so (laughs) you've met some cool people by the way I can't (laughs) wait to get into the next person yeah so I'm going to try and tell lessons as we go with the cool stuff because I'm all about the behind the scenes. The funny thing is I remember at the time I put it up on Facebook, like, I'm going to New York, Anna Wintour's asked to meet with me. And, like, this whole thing of comments came, like, oh, my God, what are you going to wear? And I was like... And I was like, okay, well, I had a stylist, but I was also like, hang on, Anna Wintour asked to meet with me, you know? Like, so I think in those moments... It's really important for all of all of us to have confidence and self-belief, right? And go, okay, she wants to have a serious business meeting. And so that's what I went to that meeting with, which needed like I had to really kind of muscle up and be like, okay, I'm good enough to do this. She asked me to do this. And um the first question she asked me, she was like, What's your profit? And I was like, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, what? not expecting that she's like you know hard and straight to the core and um but you know we'd come to her attention because I was doing things differently and so the lesson there is you know if you really believe in something and it's a dream you know it it can truly happen like I can't tell you how ill-equipped I was to run what became a global magazine and yet there's Anna Wintour saying to me have you diversified? And I did it because I couldn't sell an ad in a traditional way. And that was traditional revenue for magazines. It was like, sell an ad, get subscriptions. I couldn't sell a single ad because no one had ever heard of me. So I had to think differently and act differently. And because of that, it succeeded, you know, in a massive way. And because of that, um, she looked to me and asked me questions about how I was doing it. So it was pretty extraordinary. And, um, Chuck Townsend or Charles Townsend, who was um, at the time the um, CEO, the global CEO of Condé Nast, who had all of the, um, you know, global magazines. He actually gave me a testimonial for my first book on the front cover, Daring and Disruptive, Um, and he then went on to be the chairman of the whole of Condé Nast. So, yeah, I had some pretty big people in my corner pretty quickly. And as I said, I came from complete obscurity to that. So that's how I know you know, anything's possible if you truly believe in yourself and back yourself. Wow. amazing. So did you, how long did the magazine run from inception to when (laughs) you decided to shut it down? 
So. Yeah, so more more important lessons. So it um, Iran, I launched it in February 2013 and I closed it in April 2018 and I did 54 issues and it was extraordinary. I mean, uh, we were the only people in Australia to have Jamie Oliver on the cover when he um, came out during that time. Um, I've shared a stage now with so Richard Branson five times and we can unpack all yeah, of that. That's coming up, people. Yeah. We're so excited to talk about him. Um, <laughs> I had Sarah Jessica Parker on the cover. Oh, I had why? Ryan Gosling on the cover. I oh, had you George him? Clooney. You, um, you name it. Like it was it was a big thing. But amazing, amazing, amazing. The most phenomenal time of my life to that time. Um oh my God. but you don't know what you don't know, right? So and this is another important lesson. And Chloe, I don't know if you read Risk and Resilience, yeah. but that's my book of like what not to do in business because <laughs> I found myself five years in sitting at the helm of this enormous cult-like global brand. But I am probably a great founder, not necessarily a great CEO. And I didn't have the right detail-orientated data person by my side. And so what happened was we were hemorrhaging cash because, you know, we went from a couple of million dollar turnover to a very large business. And I wasn't equipped for that. Like I'm, I am amazing at being a visionary and a leader and seeing things before they exist and doing deals and collaborations and like jumping on stages all over the world and really shit at HR, IT, as we've discovered before, <laughs> you know, um, you know, finance, although I've learned, you know, I've had to learn to be intimate with my data and my numbers now. I mean, it's an absolute imperative in business, but at the time it just grew so quickly. So even though the brand, when I decided to close it was really big and no one would have known what was going on behind the scenes, I just could not keep going. I mean, I just hired too quickly, didn't have the right people around me. And so I had to make a really courageous and difficult decision to close the mag in 2018. And it was excruciating, but mm. it's kind of like when I was drinking um, until 2004, I'd, you know, get up in the morning and be like crying on the bathroom floor, vomiting. And I found myself in 2018, like back on the bathroom floor, crying wow. again, being yeah. like, I can't keep going, you know? And so I think the greatest lesson there was sometimes you have to be courageous enough to break the very thing that you love in order to build it up in a stronger, more sustainable way. And so that's what I did. And I did it with a confidence that was different to before I started, like a really strong inner knowing that I know what my purpose is now, you know, unwaveringly, and I can do this again. So I had to like cut the guts out of it and really kind of start again which was excruciating and, and very difficult but has been just the most amazing gift because now I have a much bigger business and um, it's a much better model and it's and I'm loving it every single day so yeah <laughs> is that your various books that you have yeah so it's it's funny it, at the height of the mag we were doing um we started off doing the first year I did five issues and then I was like, I'm going to go monthly. So we did 12. Oh. And then in the 
2017, I think I did bi-monthly again. We kind of were starting to limp a bit by that stage. Um, but the funny thing is I was only doing that and then I was really writing books in conjunction. So Daring and Disruptive was all about the journey of, you know, entering a highly saturated market. Then I wrote Money and Mindfulness, which is you can do, there are more currencies than cash. And I kind of wrote these books in real time alongside of it. Um and then, but I was only doing kind of one or two books a year. And now we're doing between 40 and 60 um, books and journals and affirmation cards a year. And we have a much no bigger So even in the last 12 weeks, Chloe, of being here, we're now in 35 um, states in the US. I mean, some states, it's like three stores or whatever, but like we're growing again. Um, So, yeah, the business is now kind of threefold. It's um, print, so book, and everything is about igniting human potential and tools to inspire and educate. So it's books, um, journals, affirmation cards and printed matter and then it's um, digital and then it's kind of me speaking and live events and things. So, But it's all the same stuff. It's all about, you know, inspiring people to live their best life really. So, yeah, lifestyle and entrepreneurial but yeah, the US wow. after many many failed attempts is starting. So Chloe, you may be seeing me over here yes, a little bit. We more. Literally, she lives like one street away, like <laughs> no a three minute way. walk. We That's haven't amazing. walked to each other's houses yet. We haven't gotten that far in our friendship, but we we know where we've <laughs> sent pins. We've sent pins. We know where we live. You're an absolute yeah. powerhouse. What's your fate? Your personal favorite book, or yeah, and what is the most successful one, like that sells the oh. best? Of my own yes, stuff? Yes, your own. Um, I mean, they're all my, they're kind of all my favourites, although um, Breakups and Breakthroughs, I, I wrote on the back of the book, I wrote Life and Love when I had a bad breakup and then I had to kind of back end it. So I don't love Breakups and Breakthroughs and yeah. Risk and Resilience as well. Like I probably will never read those two again because they were both kind of excruciating I think moments. they were the hardest ones for me to read, that that. <laughs> Just like, wow, hard on the line there. Yeah, which is why um, you were very lucky to get a glimpse of Stephen because he makes a very rare I appearance. I know, I was really excited to see him because I'm like, I haven't seen him for hi. <laughs> I'm the crazy person. He's never on my social media after, um, yeah, we keep that bit of our lives fairly private. After <laughs> but just write a few books on it. <laughs> yes. I know he must be scared. Like when's he gonna appear in a book? Not so far. And he's never read any of my books. So there you go. He's like, right. I live with you every oh, day. Right. Paul doesn't listen to um, my podcast. hundred percent. I wouldn't either if I lived with someone. I'd be like, shut up. The one no, that for- has done the best though, in answer to your question, um, was actually Stephen's idea. Cause on my Instagram, every day I kind of I don't know, I've been doing it for like as long as Instagram's existed. I share like a positive quote and then like a photo. And every time I share a positive quote, like thousands of people like mm. it. If I share a photo that I think is really inspiring, no one cares. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so wow. Stephen was like, you should do a book of like all of the quotes. So in the end of 2019, I did Daily Mantras, which, Chloe, I think you've got the little red one. And um, and it's like I just put other people's quotes in there, but then I unpacked it with my musing and what it meant. And then I did like a positive affirmation to ground it in the day. And wow. every day it's dated, so 365 days. And that one in Australia alone has now sold the first version um 
over 150,000 copies and a bestseller in Australia, I think is three to 5,000 copies. I mean, yeah, so that one definitely, and we've since done two other versions of it and also um, about 20 extension products. Mm. So that's been amazing. Tired, eh? I don't know how <laughs> you, like the thought of how much work you do. Wow. She's a serial entrepreneur. Yeah. No, here's the little secret. <laughs> I have an amazing team and um yeah so I'm a very good delegator so I come up with all yeah, the that's ideas, hard to do as well delegate but I have I have so many people who you know help like I have so many writers mm. and designers and Australia? yeah I actually have a pretty nice life now <laughs> <laughs> are they in Australia your team or in the states they're everywhere wow. so um yeah so I now have We've, you might have seen we just put out Collective Hub Kids, but I've got design. one of my best designers is in France and another one of my amazing designers is in Canada. Um, I've got a whole lot of people over here. I've got people in Australia. So here's the thing. 2018, when I closed the mag, I had had a physical bricks and mortar office in Surrey Hills in Sydney for 17 years, wow. which is crazy, right? Being an entrepreneur, we start... Um, for freedom and choice, you know, to have this great lifestyle. And then I was like, what am I doing? Like we've all been going into the office for 17 years <laughs> and I was, this is before COVID, right? And I was like, I'm measuring people's success based on if I can see them in the office. So time in office, bums on seats. So and silly. when I closed the mag, I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm freaking sick of an office. And so many of my writers for the magazine were freelancers anyway. And I was like, what am I doing? Like there are so many, like my editor, Amy, of the magazine said to me in I think 2015 or 16, she was like, I want to go travelling around South America for four months. Can you still pay me like a full salary and I'll be the editor? And I was like, are you on crack? And then I said <laughs> to her, okay, do it. <laughs> like you have to deliver me, you yeah. know, the magazine every month. Yeah. And she did it. And when she came back to Australia, she was Amazing. like, I'm going to move to Kayama, like two and a half hours south of Sydney. And she still edited the magazine perfectly. Yeah. And so then in 2018, I was like, I'm going to decentralise everything. And so a lot of people now say to me, oh, how are you living like between LA, Byron and Sydney? And I'm like, well, Easy. my team are everywhere. Yeah. And it's only as good as, um, you know, the technology now that we mm. use to manage everything. And it's actually been much more efficient, productive, fun. It also means that if my team want to go to the beach all day, I don't care. Or yeah. if they want to pick their kids up from school at three o'clock or whatever, I'm like, do go your hardest. Like it's all now based on like delivering specific projects and specific things. Everyone's happier. Mm. We're much more productive. It also means that I've got like the best people in the world all over the place working for me, not just people who are in a 10 kilometer radius of Surrey Hills. Exactly. So I freaking love it. Yeah. Get the work done. I don't care what you do, but just get it done. Yeah. I don't care where you yeah, are. Yeah, exactly. If they don't get it done, well, there are, but yeah. no one's really <laughs> done that so far. So yeah, it's working really well. And so we heard you like to go and have holidays at Necker Island. <laughs> I know Tell us I everything. <laughs> yes, you've done your research. Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, so I was first invited to go to Necker in 
2014, and that was a big year, right? I launched the MAG 2013, then the Anna Winter thing happened 2014, and also in 2014 I got invited um, by Richard Branson to go to Necker Island, and that was before, like, a lot of, like, civilians, I call myself a civilian, not a, like, celebi, um, (laughs) were actually going there, and it was like a dream come true because I he was probably from an entrepreneur's perspective like my greatest kind of inspiration I'd always look to him for so much of his rebellious side Mm. and so many things people that don't know Necker Island is Richard Branson's own island sorry I just thought I'd clarify that because I feel like a few people might not know where what that is I'll tell this story then I'll try and keep it short so So I got there and there was 28 entrepreneurs that were invited. And um, as Chloe said to me before, we got invited to pitch to Rich. And I think we all had like 10 minutes or something. And I watched all these other people kind of asking him really complex things. Like we'd only just met him. So he doesn't have a relationship with any of us. And what did you wear? And people, (laughs) well, that's that's a whole nother story, (laughs) which we can get to. But... um, but what happened was people were asking really complex things like, oh, my gosh, Richard, can you, like, buy half my company or can we, like, rebrand at Virgin? Now, in answer to what you were saying before, Elodie, at the time in 2014, he had over 400 Virgin oh. companies and most oh. of the Virgin brand are licensing deals. So like Virgin Money, Virgin, 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 Virgin Jeans. Yeah. yeah. So many things, boy. right, um, because he... Yeah, because he's made such a name for himself. So he doesn't own a lot of them. So people were asking him things that were actually impossible for him to say yes to. So as I watched this roll out, I just said to him, hey, Richard, and by the way, I was wearing quite a cute little sarong. Yes, we were- <laughs> sarong. We were in Tropical by the Island. So, yeah, Tropical Island. Um and weird story. Um, I'd just been on the toilet and a snake came in. It's all very open there. No. And I got such a fright no. that I actually jumped up and my undies were around my ankles and I fell over. I got such a fright, so I broke my toe. So oh anyway. My <laughs> no, but the great thing was so you're that gonna say else... and Richard came to save me or something while <laughs> no. But the great thing was, again, like I by the time I stood up, all I said was I just, Richard, can I send you a box of magazines to the island every month? So straight away it was a yes, right? Oh, my God. So I think it's really important that we, people want to say yes. People want to be good to people. So straight away I asked something really easy and he said yes. And then I told the funny snake story about how I was just sitting on your toilet and this bloody snake came and I got a fright and now I can't walk. But so so he was like always going to remember me because of the snake and because I made it snake girl because it made it easy for him to say yes um now the thing about that is I'm not stupid right so I knew that Beyonce and you know all the amazing people who were going to NECA so I was like there's 30 magazines in a box if that's coming to the island every month all of his team are going to be seeing it they're going to be around the island and so that was amazing and then I became good friends with His PA, Helen, who's been with him for years. Um, I finished writing one of my books, Life and Love, when I was on NECA. And so then I said to Helen, hey, will Richard give me a testimonial for the front cover? 
um, it's Snake Girl here. And so then <laughs> he did give me a testimonial for the front cover of Life and Love. And then the next year he was coming to Australia and I said to Helen, oh, hey, can I shoot Richard for a cover? And she was like, yeah, of course. No and then way. she's like, actually, um, would you consider um, co-chairing the Virgin Way conference with Richard? And I was like, let me check my calendar. <laughs> and so I oh ended God, up um, Richard and I on stage in the Art Gallery of New South Wales with Coming back to your question again, Elodie, all of the representatives from Virgin Money, Virgin Active, like all the Virgin companies in Australia, and Richard and I chaired that. And no. um, the funny thing is, I was meant. Yeah, tell us. Sorry, about is he a legend? He's a bloody legend. But I was meant to um, <laughs> shoot him for the cover in the Botanic Gardens across the road. And because we'd had so much fun, he was like, come up to Makepeace Island for the weekend. So he has another private island. Oh, all right. um, oh just another um, one. Where's the invite? Yeah, near Noosa. So I went <laughs> up and spent the weekend um, with him wow. and the team up there. So, yeah, and anyway, blah, blah, blah. Then we've spent lots of time together so over the years. how do so. people get invited to the island? Yeah, where's our plus two? Next time you get invited, can you ask for a plus two? Because I'd love to go. And who else was invited when you went to NECA? Like, who was there? No, like, no one. We were all kind of nobody, like, just other entrepreneurs, you know. There wasn't, I'd love to say there was all these celebrities, but actually they were just, like, really amazing entrepreneurs and it was just super cool fun. So, and he's, he's extraordinary. He's, um, he's an amazing leader. He's super freaking fun and funny and naughty. And, I love him. Yeah, strikes me as a naughty boy. <laughs> Definitely strikes me as a naughty boy. Um, on that, like on that conversation, I want to know do, who through your time from when you started to now, who who have been some of your mentors and like what are some lessons that they've taught taught you? Have you got any that you can share? The big one. Yeah, I feel like I know it's, I mean, I've been fortunate enough to meet and you know be mentored by and have like amazing amazing extraordinary entrepreneurs and other people in my circle but actually what I generally find is the most that I learn is from like I've got this mentee group at the moment and I've got 20 women that every Thursday night I meet on Zoom and they're from all over the world and I find that It's those people who inspire me the most because they're the ones in the trenches, you know, Mm. being gritty and courageous and just trying to do it, you know, and that's actually what I live for and that's what I love. And something that I've learned over the years, and Chloe, you would have probably done this as well in your kind of life, but I have a theory, unless I meet people in person, I can look at them from an aspirational perspective Mm. and go, I think I love those characteristics or those attributes that they seem to display. But I've learned that, you know, a lot of people have amazing PR machines around them. And so I'm Mm. like, unless I actually connect with them in person and they're a kind, good, amazing, open, you know, honest person with integrity, they're the people I fall in love with. And 
You know, Jamie Oliver was one of those, absolutely, like one of the most down-to-earth giving, just like such a beautiful human and we just had some extraordinary times and conversations and there have been a lot of people like that and then there have been some others who I'm like, you're not even anybody much and you're like a real arrogant asshole. So so I'm just glad that I just... um. I really just go off like my own experiences, but more often than not, it's the people who don't have anything who are really giving it a red hot crack. They're the people that yeah. I just love. Yeah, that actually makes so much so sense, much I sense. think, as well, because like you do, like you said, you have these asp- aspirations that you look at all these people and you're like, oh, my God, how did you do this? I want to be like you. And then you meet them and they're dicks. But mm. that, like I think that you're so right. You Like I, yeah. And I agree, like, I, I hate emailing, I hate texting. I'm such a, I want to pick up the phone, I want to speak to the right person. I don't want to speak to their PA. I want to get a feeling for that person on the phone, have a real chat or like that face-to-face connection. I just figure out immediately whether they're like legit or I just have like, I feel like I'm really yeah. good face-to-face but I don't mm-hmm. want to do texting or emails. Fuck that. Yes. That's yeah, me. yeah, that's yeah. That's me in the business. And I think that's why everyone <laughs> loves your podcast so much probably because you both just tell it how it freaking is and I love that. Yeah, it's <laughs> quite raw and real, aren't we? we? Def- like you, doll. <laughs> we <We're> definitely. <laughs> throw in the mix upon all this other everything you've done and you're still doing you've you're also doing IVF on the side but can I say I actually didn't know like on it like I said continuously like I'm actually your number one fan it's embarrassing how much I keep on saying this but like I did not know that you up until recently oh I talk about IVF and I instantly want to cry it's so weird not really that weird but I um Obviously, we've been. I've been, I've gone through my journey. I'm coming up to three years now, and I I did not know through all of this empire, all these crazy, exciting, busy, inc- like incredible girl boss stuff that you're doing. You've been doing IVF for how many years? Eight over eight now. And, and yeah, because yeah. you needed something. Else. I only knew this because I saw you on your Instagram the other day, well, the other month when you just broke down, and I was like. <gasps> oh, my God, I need to reach out to you. That was like my aha moment when I'm like, nah, we need to be friends, enough's enough. Yeah. Yeah, well, the thing about that is, I, you know, I mean, again, Chloe, you get this so much and so many of the listeners will as well. I feel like I held that for so many years myself without talking really to anyone about it and it's been such an excruciatingly long journey and I mean I can unpack all of that a little bit um hopefully Stephen's not listening because he hates me talking oh, about it but also. that's okay that's why he doesn't listen to the podcast <laughs> don't listen, I don't think. Steve. We'll block him <laughs> but this is this is literally my journey so with my previous partner I actually had a miscarriage so that was that then we broke up. Then I was like, fuck it, I'm going to have a baby myself. So I actually did um, donor sperm for two rounds of IVF. So I was very oh, courageous. Wow, like <laughs> eight years ago, I was like, I'm going to like girl boss this and just do it myself. That didn't work. Um, met Stephen. We did um, 12 rounds, I think, um, using my eggs. And then... 
so it was just, and Chloe, you know, and so many of your listeners know, like, oh, and yes, because I never talked about it publicly until recently, it's like, you know, that's then 14 times when I had done, you know, injections and like, you know, all of the stuff that you go through emotionally and all the egg collections and going under and all the drugs. And then like, I love exercise for my mind as much as my body. And then like, every time we did an implantation, it was like, don't exercise Mm. for two weeks. So it was a freaking, just a roller coaster. And throughout all of that, I was flying around the world doing speaking gigs and, you know, real life with no one knowing that I was doing IVF. And so, you know, carrying around eskies on planes (laughs) with your needles and like all of the stuff. And then, oh, and every single time I'd be like, okay, this is this is the time because I'm like the eternal optimist, right? And that two-week waiting period and then every time Val from the same clinic would call me and be like, not this time and like every single time. So it's been like a long excruciating journey and then um I don't know somehow I just keep going through the motions and then I did a scan a while ago and the woman who was doing my scan was like oh have you considered donor eggs and I was like okay and like I think you get pushed to all these Mm. different periods you know and before that I was always like no needs to be my DNA you know this is it and then I was like okay I'm ready to try this so then how many we up to 14 15 16 yeah, anyway, so then wow. I've done some, <laughs> some so rounds crazy. with um, Ukrainian donor eggs, which is, like, so beautiful, um, but still not working. So, yeah, it's been a lot. <laughs> so you haven't um, had many answers a lot. Like, it doesn't sound like you've had too many answers along the way of what, what could be falling through each time. No, and, I mean, Chloe and I started to... Um, you know, talk a lot about this when we caught up for our lunch and I think that's when we were like, oh, we have so much in common and there's just like such an instant heart connection. But alongside all of that, um, I was seeing someone called Lily Lu who's like a Chinese herbalist and acupuncturist. I think I saw her alongside the IVF journey for about two years and I know at one point this sounds even inconceivable, but I think I was on 90 tablets a day. When I say oh that, like, yeah, I don't pellets. know if you've those, Chloe, yeah. those little tiny ones, they're like yeah. tiny little bullets yeah. and like there was like 50 of those, but I was just, I had so many natural remedies as well and then I was doing acupuncture with her two to three times every single week um we went to this other woman on the northern beaches who someone said she's a miracle worker you know she can reverse anything that's wrong um she was nine dollars a minute and it was just like it's it's been really hard because I feel like it's such a wild west and such an unregulated industry and I feel like when you're so desperate Mm. and vulnerable and someone's like try this person you're you're like you'll spend any amount of money you'll try Mm. anything possible and um yeah you name it I feel like I've tried (laughs) and um and it's hard sometimes not to be cynical and kind of go you know, also running a business, it's mm-hmm. like I'm sure the the balance sheet of some of the clinics they're like, oh, they didn't they didn't conceive this time. Here we go, another twelve grand. It's psycho. I mean, I hate thinking like that, but I'm also like 
So that's the tricky thing, right? And that's where it's been about self-regulating and go, you know, who do I trust and, you know, Mm -hmm. what are the answers and how do we keep digging in and actually, I mean, I think, Chloe, that's been the most frustrating thing for me. It's like um, when I'm like, well, what's wrong with me? What what other supplements Mm -hmm. can I take or what else can I do? And they're like, oh, no, it's just a numbers game. But, you know, after 17 times, it's like, well, you know, that's a freaking lot of, um emotion and a lot of money and a lot of like everything that comes with it and it's like well yeah it's really hard when people keep saying oh it's okay we just you know we'll keep going we've got the right formula now and I'm like well really you're like yeah how how long do you keep going I mean there's there's a few other options we're exploring and somehow eight and a half years (laughs) later I'm still here (laughs) having a go honestly um, I, I take my hat off to you because like I like I said I'm coming up to three years and I'm thinking fuck like I, I I feel, and I don't know whether you feel this, like you kind of become completely numb to the whole situation. Like I, I'm like floating through just like, oh, you know, it's going to happen when it's going to happen and you try not to get too emotionally connected to it because you're just like you don't, you believe it's going to happen one day but you're also just like, yeah. but is it? So you're kind of like, nah, I'm not going to let myself get too deep in this because like I, I'm trying to kind of protect my myself from going down in that because at the beginning you really put everything into it and you get into these dark, dark, dark holes. But I don't know for you, do you feel like it the the more times, obviously it digs really deep, but the more times I've kind of done it, not the easier it's gotten. It's just like it's become like, oh, yeah, it's just like brushing my teeth now, weirdly. You know, it's a bit like um, desensitisation, I think, to a degree because otherwise – you know, we just absolutely sink. Like it's such an emo- mm. emotional roller coaster. So I've had to kind of almost extricate myself from the emotion of the process yeah. a little bit. Yeah. And also, Chloe, you and I talked about this when we were at lunch. Um, it's funny because I also believe in life it's about choosing our battles and choosing consciously what we want to kind of be known for or stand up for. And I remember like, um, when my dad passed away suddenly, we can dig into that or not, in 2017. But I was like, I remember being so frustrated and I don't know if you went through any of this, Elodie. I was like, oh, my God, it's like I don't know how to plan a funeral. I, like mm. I couldn't find any material around like, oh, my God, and suddenly I'm the executor of the will and all this stuff. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And so at the time I was like, I'm going to write a book about this. I'm going to like help other people through this journey. And then I was like, no. I don't want that. I don't want to make my life around that part of it. Yeah. Um, and it's been a little bit the same with IVF. I'm like, I want to now talk about it as much as possible to help other people on the journey. But I feel like if I documented Let's write a book. Every, yeah, it's like <laughs> if I documented every pill I ever took, oh, every yeah. injection I ever gave myself, every like different naturopath, homeopath, like every person I've seen that would become my life's work. Yeah. And I'm like, I want to get on with living. I don't mm-hmm. want to keep in that energy all the time. So yeah. I'm like, I'll use myself as a conduit to help wherever I can if yeah. it helps other people. But I'm like, yeah, I'm so like yeah. over it. I'm yeah. just like, okay, here we go. Okay, yes. here we go That's here exactly we go. like, honestly, I'm just like, <laughs> fuck. And then people are like, how are you doing the needles? I'm like, honestly, I can do it with my eyes closed now. It doesn't really, it doesn't phase me at all. I'm just like, eh. 
another needle. I know. I think um, when I think about 17 times um, how many needles, 10 days of needles each time, sometimes three needles a day, 30 needles a time times 17. That's a lot of needles. You keep That's them? a lot of like, it's like a pink cushion. Yeah. Did you keep them? Oh, I can't <laughs> I can't throw them out. Like honestly, the the what? no, I've got all of my needles. Yeah. In those boxes. In the, the boxes. in the yellow boxes. Like the, the chemist person's like, oh, wow. do you, I can dispose of them? I'm like, no, no, no. It's like that's like an attack. I've got a weird attachment to them. Like I need to when I have this baby, I'm gonna sprawl those fucking needles out and it's gonna take up my whole living room and I'm gonna oh. be like, this made you. This is what made you. I feel you. like you should make a big artwork. It's going to be a big artwork piece of syringes. Hang them up. <laughs> but you know what? Room. I truly believe somehow, and that's why I keep going, um, and I know a lot of people give up, and I just feel grateful that we're in a position that we can keep going. You know, I feel very grateful for that every single day. Yeah. And I just think. I don't know, there's something inside of me that's like it's going to happen, like there's a billion different ways to make it happen, Mm -hmm. you know, and things that we have not yet explored. And so I'm like when this little baby comes out, well, they're going to work on day one. They're going to make that money back. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I don't think so. I I feel like they might have a little bit of you in them hopefully and they'll be a powerhouse as well. I'll take over the company. I know Lisa and I literally (laughs) met for five minutes at lunch and we've already decided before we we actually had to separate ourselves because we're like so we should probably do this or like you know oh no that's really right like we should maybe do this app or like we should need it and I was just like oh my god we've got problems (laughs) we're the same person in like a weird way I was like we need to separate ourselves lucky we don't live too too close to each other right now because we'd probably be working on a new business so we'll I'm back soon and we'll be on the almost goldie together so I know look out is that where you're based when you come here are you going to come up to the goldie no we're we've got a place in Bangalore that we've been renovating it was meant to take two months and it's taken two years Wow! (laughs) but that's where we'll be so we'll be close to you guys so we can have lots of in-person time amazing so although I just want to ask so although you like to keep your head elsewhere when you're going through IVF and you'd rather put your focus into your other businesses and your books that are not based on babies and IVF. Do you think that one day you'll write a book on IVF or conceiving? I feel like, so we just launched Collective Hub Kids and I feel like that's been a really beautiful thing to do because whilst I find ways to kind of, um, you know, keep my mindset strong and and keep, you know, other things happening around it. I feel like that's actually been a way to ritualise and kind of um, put my energy into something that is very kids-focused because I am a really big believer. Like I'm part kind of commercial and then part sort of woo-woo hippie. Um, (laughs) And so I kind of very much believe in, you know, manifestation and, you know, the law of attraction and all of those kind of things. And so um, Collective Hub Kids, we've been, so I've been purposely putting myself in the energy of actual sort of educators and positive um, psychologists that work with children and being a part of different, um, you know, associations like the Positive Schools Association and following a lot of the um the PERMA framework, which is like the Martin Seligman positive psychology framework for children. So I've really heavily immersed myself in that world to get the positive juju of the, you know, the children coming through energy. And so I do feel like, you know, when the little bubber is finally manifested and born, there will be this beautiful kind of 
you know, thing that's very much in my DNA now around creating for children. So I'm sure that something yep. once the positive um the positive bubber arrives that something will come out of it. And most definitely I'm sure I have no doubt Chloe and I will end up doing something just to <laughs> share the journey, just yeah. to help other people mm-hmm. because yeah. I don't and this is pretty much my whole life. I don't want suddenly to have this, you know, beautiful bouncing baby and all anyone sees who doesn't know the before is, oh, my gosh, isn't Lisa yeah. lucky she's got this beautiful child. Yeah. I want to be able That's to tell the backstory because I think it's only through that, again, talking about, you know, my life's work and what Collective Hub stands for, it's about it's only when people know that eight and a half or mm. nine and a half, it'll probably be by the time it's actually born if that happens, you know, when that happens, sorry, change my languaging, yes. um, that people will understand, you know. So I think, yeah, there yeah. will definitely be something in that. Also, guys, before this little bit starts, I just want to apologize for the audio quality. We aren't in the studio right now as we had to grab Lisa and get this in real time. So apologies for the shitty audio quality for the um, little bit of the episode. Okay, so we had this interview with Lisa late last year, but since the interview has come out, Lisa has got some very exciting news and we really wanted to get her on the podcast and add it in to this episode. So Lisa, do you want to share with us what that news might be? (laughs) I love you. And it's, this is like the first time, I mean, I've only just told a handful of friends. So I feel like this is the first time this is really coming out in a big way. Although Chloe's known daily every (laughs) step of the journey. So yeah, this is coming off the back of me talking about eight years and 18 rounds of IVF and everything else in between. I feel like we've tried everything, but I feel like this needs a drum roll. (laughs) Um, For anyone listening, what I'm here to say is that there is always a path and I'm proud to say that we are having a baby boy who is due <gasps> on the 2nd of August. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh my via, God. via a beautiful friend of mine, Sarah, who is very kindly the most angelic person on the planet, and she is carrying our baby as a surrogate. So, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my <laughs> God. Congratulations. <laughs> Biggest congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. This is the most beautiful news we ever could have hoped for to finish off this episode. Like, honestly, Lisa, we are so freaking happy for you. Wow. Thank you. Well, I can't stop crying. And I'm also like I always, whenever Chloe and I talk, I'm like, come on, come on, we've got to go together. So, yeah, we're just supporting each other. And I'm so grateful, Chloe, for everything that you do for me and being there for this journey. And I feel like it's just the most magical thing. So thank you for being the first people to kind of announce this. It feels very special. (laughs) So glad you two have each other. When we first sort of like started talking and you, you, you mentioned it, I was like, oh my God, wow. And then honestly, because we've only really been close for a few months, this has like really been like the whole, our whole friendship. And I'm so excited. I can't believe that it's like what your, how many weeks, how many weeks now? Today, as we're recording it, we are 
13 weeks and five days and I think this episode's coming out in about five days so we will have just done our 14 week um check-in but I'm literally going straight from this podcast to do our scan the first 3d scan where we see the fingers and the toes and the actual head so I'm like so this is like the perfect time to be chatting so yeah it's um it's pretty special and since we last spoke I'm back in Australia for this because I mean I do feel like we need to do another episode because Sarah literally lives um near you guys she lives in Rabina so she's like an hour's drive from where we are like I feel like I guess the biggest message here is because I always try and take it away from myself like I'm beside myself excited but for everyone listening I feel like in life I don't know like when we just keep persisting and keep persisting I've been close you and I I think have explored every freaking channel available to anyone and um and I feel like you know for me I'm just so grateful and it's just all finally worked out we have a beautiful obstetrician and for 17 rounds I didn't even know what an obstetrician was because unlike you Chloe I was unable to um, hold a baby or even get pregnant so it was like finally Sarah got pregnant on the second round of um, putting our embryos in and it was like okay now an obstetrician I was like wow eight years and I didn't even know about any of this because I've been so focused on just trying to have a viable pregnancy so yeah so I'm very very excited and I'm happy to talk about the entire surrogacy journey or how Sarah and I found each other and we can dig into a bit of that now well, we can save it up for a whole new episode. We've both been through like a bit of a grueling process and I feel like you have to go through your your emotions and everything to get to d- different stages of the, the journeys. But at what point did you realise like, no, I, we're going to have to go down this sur- surrogacy route? <sighs> like there's a lot to unpack there, even though it's a simple question on the surface it took us a long time and I remember saying to Stephen when the IVF wasn't working oh I've got this girlfriend who said she would be a surrogate and he was like no 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 and um so it takes a long time to like get for me our heads into a space where we were open to it and now it feels like the most natural beautiful incredible just like we're just like bonded we speak like five times a day I just could not love her anymore I feel like I've practically never had a relationship so deep and so strong I feel like you know we are carrying the baby together and um and then just to fast forward but it's never a short story last year I was doing a whole lot of work for the floods um like you know I love crisis management I jump in whenever I can and Sarah's husband is um a radio host on the Gold Coast and totally separate to her and I his co-host said oh you should interview Lisa she's doing all this flood work so he interviewed me this is March 2022 and then afterwards Sarah texted me and went oh my hubby just interviewed you on the radio how's the IVF journey going anyway we've still got the text I text her back I go not great still want to be a surrogate and she's like yep let's bring a baby into the world no so way nuts and there's so much more to it but um that's probably a chat for another day so meant to be oh all the stars aligned that's amazing I, I i just like my head jumps straight to the birth and like is do you know how she's plan or how you're both planning on doing the like you know are we thinking vaginal are we thinking cesarean like the, the funny thing is people jump straight to this they're like oh can you be at the birth oh is it and i'm like yes it's 
But I feel like there's so much education to unpack because I didn't know anything. Yes, 100% I'll be at the birth. Yes, he will be on my chest straight yes. away. Um, we are both so, well, Sarah and I and Stephen, my hubby, are so aligned um, with talking about a water birth. So, yeah, whether Sarah and I will be like nooding <laughs> a tub together, TBC, Probably not one to the ground, let's see. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You'll be able to, like, deliver your baby. Like, how cool is that? I know. You'll probably I pull just, Bobby out. It's the most extraordinary, like, I can't even tell you the amount of alignment. And, Chloe, this is why I know now, like, you know, I've, I've walked the path, you've walked the path. I still don't have a lot of answers because so many things didn't work for me, but I now can look at you and say, I know that you are going to have a freaking baby because I'm going to be by your side until we get you or someone or something pregnant and it will happen because I, I know now that nothing has ever felt so incredible. Um, yeah, so I look forward to unpacking more of it um as we I know. got like goosebumps and butterflies like so like we like we don't really know each other that well but I just feel like we know each other so well and like I the happiness that I have for you like because like I know that one day when I'm in that position like you can't even put a word to it like I'm just I'm so stoked and like you know all your hard work has paid off and you deserve this so much I'm I feel warm and fuzzy for you guys you and Stephen and yes Sarah I'm so happy for you guys congratulations thank you darling I can't wait to chat more can you um (laughs) tell our listeners where they can find your books Yes. Well, if you go to collectivehub.com or you can follow Collective Hub or Lisa Messenger on all the social channels um, or in any good bookstore in, or or lifestyle store more so. And international listeners, you can um, you can purchase them online as well, yeah. Yes, absolutely. We mail to anywhere in the world, yeah. Thank you so much, Lisa. I it's just, just been amazing you. learning from you. Yeah, <laughs> big, big hug. hug. <laughs> <laughs>